1: Live coverage from ABC News. Here is ABC News correspondent Brad Milton Live from the White House, a press briefing about to get underway, delivered by a man who might not be giving many more of them. That is, if you believe the rumors about Sean Spicer, set to be on the ropes in a White House communications shakeup. But we've heard lots of those rumors before, and he is still there, about to deliver the White House line. The President's already mentioned today the death of American auto warm beer at the hands of North Korea. There are also questions currently swirling around a secret of health care bill in the Senate. ABC's Karen Travers standing by at the White House. And Karen, perhaps the most surprising thing about this press briefing is that it's happening at all.
2: It is. It's only the fifth briefing this month for Sean Spicer. It is June 20th. It's only the fourth time he's been on camera. We haven't seen him since last Monday. We've heard from him. He did a briefing yesterday. No cameras, no audio recordings. And, you know, this is, if you want to read the tea leaves, perhaps the uh, starting in motion, this new role for Sean Spicer, which, as you say, has been rumored for some time Uh, before the president went on his foreign trip in May. There was talk about shaking up the communications staff and they said, we'll wait till we get back from the foreign trip then they came back and there was still more talk. There is always talk here at the White House about shaking up this team. The president has been said to not be happy with how they are defending his agenda, pushing his message. But interestingly, there's no obvious next contender right now, Brad. And we've seen Sean Spicer's deputy, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, do some briefings. But it's a thin staff right now. The communications director left last month. So Sean Spicer has been doing double duty. And look, is this something that impacts people here anybody outside of this briefing room perhaps not but it is important because the White House uh, is a place where we are always demanding more access. We are trying to get more questions to the president and his staff. And every week, the, it seems like there's a bit of a chipping away at that access. I
1: was about to ask you, Karen, you know, we, we know there's always a lot of palace intrigue, a lot mm-hmm. of rumors. But there's also always, from every administration, more calls from the press for access to hear what the president thinks about any given topic. So what is normal and what is not normal? What, what are you seeing there in the White House about access to the president? and his staff.
2: We have seen in the past uh the Obama administration cited that media filter. They wanted to go around it. That's why President Obama did interviews with outside the mainstream organizations. That's fine. You can see why they want to target their message. This White House says the same thing. We want to get around the media filter and they feel that they can effectively do that with the president's social media accounts. He's got 30 million some followers on Twitter, so they say he can put out a statement and talk to his supporters and the American people that way. They also pick and choose where they want to do interviews. Uh, Certainly a lot of emphasis on some of the more conservative uh, news outlets, print and television, and here we go, Sean Spicer. Good afternoon.
3: Uh, Before I get into what the president's going to continue to do to uh, advance the tech week that we started, I wanted to shine a spotlight on two of the president's uh, biggest legislative priorities right now, tax reform and repeal and replace of Obamacare. By the end of the day, both the vice president and the speaker of the House Uh, We'll have both delivered remarks at the National Association of Manufacturers about why it's so critical that we come together uh, and quickly deliver significant tax reform to the American people. Simplifying and updating our overly complicated tax system is one of the most impactful ways that we can create jobs and strengthen our economy. And I think that's something that everyone in this town can probably agree upon. There's also major agreement between the Trump administration and Republicans in Congress on what any any significant tax reform package must include. And, frankly, I saw some of the Democrats earlier today, and I think uh, there are some that share those general philosophies as well. Uh, We want to make it easier for companies to sell American goods abroad and turn that success into jobs here at home. I think we all recognize that uh, what I think every American also agrees with, uh, which is that we need to simplify our tax code. Depending on the estimates you look at, taxpayers and businesses, spend anywhere between 6 billion to almost 9 billion hours complying with the IRS's requirements. Those are, frankly, billions of hours that they're not uh, building things, growing businesses, buying goods and services from other American businesses, spending time with their families, pursuing a personal uh, hobby. And we must reduce that unnecessary burden uh, in terms of both the burden and the time. Perhaps most importantly, we also agree that we need to get this done sooner rather than later. That's why working hand in hand with House and Senate leadership, Uh, and hosting regular listening sessions with outside stakeholders uh, like the one that's being conducted currently in the Roosevelt Room here at the White House with trade associations from the tech industry to iron out details and get their input on what needs to happen. Uh, We're also committed to seeing the repeal and replace of Obamacare through Congress. Obviously, the Senate is uh, is where the action is right now. This week is the deadline for insurers to commit to selling plans on the Obamacare exchange during the upcoming enrollment period. And unfortunately, we're continuing to see signs of its complete failure as data from more and more states comes in. Last Friday, the New Mexico Health Connections, one of only five remaining of the 23 co-ops nationwide that was created by Obamacare, proposed hiking its rates by nearly 80 percent. And just today in Iowa, where the President will be traveling tomorrow, the only insurer left in the Obamacare exchange proposed a 43 percent rate hike for next year. With almost every day that passes, another insurer either leaves the market or raises its rates by double digits. The American people can't afford to front the bill for this failed law any single day longer. It's time to repeal and replace Obamacare, as Republicans have promised for a while. Looking ahead this week, Tech Week, as I mentioned at the front, continues following on a very productive set of meetings and working groups with uh, some of the country's biggest CEOs yesterday. The President will visit Cedar Rapids, Iowa tomorrow where he'll see firsthand the transformative power of technological innovations in agriculture at Kirkwood Community College. Kirkwood's agriculture science program is a national leader and widely recognized as a center for innovation in the ag sector. And on Thursday, we're bringing two emerging technologies to the White House that have the potential to revolutionize our economy, drones, and universal broadband. The President will see demonstrations of how these technologies will contribute to the 21st century economy, and how the government can ensure that their safe adoption leads to the best possible outcomes for the American worker and American businesses. With that, let's have some questions. Sean, Sean. Katie. Thank Sean. Hey,
4: Sean. My first question is, does the administration have anything to say to China
1: about the death of Otto Warmbierk?
3: Well, I think the President has spoken very clearly um, about uh, how he, the First Lady and our country, feels about the loss of this American Uh, And obviously, um, when you look at um, how he was handled, it's something that we will continue to apply economic and political uh, pressure and try to continue to work with our allies. Uh, We've had, I think, positive movement on China over the past five months of this administration. Um, And we'll continue to work with them and others to put the appropriate pressure on North Korea uh, to change this behavior and uh, and this regime.
2: John, just following up on the previous meeting with the Ukraine president, Mm -hmm. would the president like to see Russia get out of eastern Ukraine, and does he see Moscow as the
0: aggressor in this conflict?
3: I think we've been clear that, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, that's part of the reason that there are sanctions, is because until they are out of eastern Ukraine, um, we're going to continue to have sanctions on Russia, and we believe that that uh, that is Ukraine's you, a part of Ukraine, and so therefore, uh, until those those sanctions will remain, it was something that obviously came up to discussion with the president today. Um, we'll continue to advocate for that. And
0: does the president support the Senate sanctions that are not going to move to the House? I think we're
3: going to wait and see what happens in the House before we weigh in on that package. Uh, there's, it's not just the package. I think there's some other areas of that package that uh, we need to work with the House and, House and Senate on if it comes back through. Depending on how it how it's Handled in the House that, that we have to address. But um, as is usually the case, we won't have a statement of administrative policy until it advances through the House. Jessica? Thank you, Sean. On the DPRK, can
4: you talk about um, what the U.S. is willing to do in retaliation for Adam members death with respect to sanctions of the United Nations or whatever? And secondly, with the U.S. China security and defense dialogues beginning tomorrow. and it's already been stated that the North Korea issue is going to be at the top of the agenda. Do you anticipate walking away from tomorrow's dialogue with any kind of tangible results on North Korea?
3: Um, we have been very forceful in our political and economic uh, pressure that has been applied in North Korea. I think we will continue to apply that. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, obviously China can play, uh, has played and can continue to play a greater role in helping to resolve this situation. Uh, And we will continue to hopefully build on the relationship uh, and the dialogue that we've had with China. I think there have been some positive steps that they've taken, both at the U.N. and economically, uh, to help strengthen the case against North Korea. Uh, But I'm not going to get ahead of where we may or may not go. Um, And obviously, we hope that those discussions uh, with China are productive and continue to, to move us forward. Gabby.
4: Thanks, John. Um, there were some reports out that President Trump told members of that tech meeting yesterday that the Senate health care bill needed to have more heart. Can you shed some light on what it is he's not pleased with in the legislation that's being drafted? And um, can you also tell us why he would feel that way after holding a press conference in the Rose Garden supporting the House version of the health care bill?
3: Well, I mean, the president clearly wants a bill that has heart in it. Um, he Believes that uh, health care is something that is near and dear to so many families and individuals. Um, he made it clear from the beginning that those that was one of his priorities. And as the Senate works its way through this bill, as the House did, um, any ideas are welcome to strengthen it, to make it more affordable, more accessible, and deliver the care that it needs. Uh, but this is an area that the President believes passionately about. He cares. He understands the role that health care plays in so many people's lives and their families. Um, and he wants to make sure that we do everything we can to provide the best option for him as Obamacare continues uh, to fail. And is there a specific part of this bill, though, that leads him well, to believe that the Senate is doing something? Uh, I'm not – again, th- this is an ongoing discussion with Senate leaders and individual senators that he's had. You know that we've brought a lot of those individuals to the White House, uh, and there's been staff-level meetings as well, Secretary Price and others. Uh, so, I'm not going to get into the private discussions that have occurred, uh, but I will just say that uh, the more that we can do to produce a bill um, as it works its way through the process that achieves the president's goals, I think that's something that we can all agree on. John.
1: Thanks, Sean. Uh, two. The uh, first one's domestic. There's a special election occurring today in
2: Georgia. Is this election, from the White House's point of view, a referendum on the president in any way?
3: Um, Look, I've said before I'm not going to comment on the political nature of of an ongoing race. That being said, I think if you look historically, um, special elections um, generally don't foretell the outcome of races multiple years down the road. Uh, This is a race that the president or a a district of the president won by one point. It's obviously going to be competitive. but uh, we'll have to see tonight. Obviously, that's up to the people of Georgia's 6th District to decide. And then on North Korea, I think the President once said that he'd be open to meeting with Kim Jong-un. Uh, given what has happened uh, with Otto Warmbier over the course of the past 24 hours, is he still open to that? Well, I, I believe that the context in which he said that was if the conditions, if the right conditions presented themselves. Clearly, uh, we're moving further away, not closer to those conditions being enacted, uh, So I would not suggest that we're moving uh, any closer. Uh, and obviously, this is an issue that uh, the President commented earlier at the beginning of the meeting with, with President Poroshenko, uh, that it troubles him deeply. Um, and he believes that if we had uh, were able to get, we were pleased, obviously, to get uh, Otto back to the United States to be with his family. But if we had been able to secure that earlier, potentially there could have been um, you know, uh, medical help that could have been rendered earlier. Obviously, we don't know the answer to that, but I think the president worked really hard uh, to do what he could to secure the release of him. uh, And it's a shame what happened. I I think uh, he was very clear about that when he spoke to to members of the media earlier today. Vivian. Thank you. Two
4: questions. Um, Also on Otto, the president today said that um, he he thinks it's terrible what happened to Otto. Do you have any more details? Do you have any more details on specifically what he endured there?
3: I I I do not, and we would not share them at this point. I think there's so. Um, and second question. Yep. There
4: are reports that your role is changing here at the White House. I wanted to know if you can address those reports. Are they true or not? And if so, can you
3: tell us what's in store? Right here. Uh-huh. So you can keep taking your selfies and saw a few folks. Um, so. But, look, it's no secret we've had a couple vacancies, including our communications director has gone for a while. Uh, We've been seeking input from individuals as far as ideas that they have. We've been meeting with potential people that uh, that may be of service to this administration. I don't think that should come as any surprise. Uh, But we're always looking for ways to, to do a better job of Articulating the president's message and his agenda, and uh, we'll continue to have those discussions internally. When we have an announcement of a personal nature, we'll let you know if that's a good deal. I'm going to Dave Price of WHO in Iowa in, in light of tomorrow's visit.
0: Thanks, Sean. Uh, you already mentioned the president's coming. We understand that our longtime governor and now ambassador to China,
1: Terry Branstad, will be there with him. The president has already praised Ambassador long longtime relationship with China's president Xi. Uh, as you know, the president has a certain style, the way he tweets and talks and that, that doesn't exactly mirror the way Terry Bransted has, has had his career. In light of that, how do you see this dynamic playing out in Ambassador Bransted's role with China?
3: Um, thanks, Dave. Uh- tomorrow the, the as you noted the president will be joined by Governor Branstead at Kirkwood uh, to not just discuss uh, some of the agriculture uh, aspects of, the, of what's going to be discussed but also talk about trade I think he was clearly impressed with governor Branstead's um, you know as, as Chuck Grassley put it he's been an ambassador for Iowa for decades if not his whole life and I think that the president feels those skill sets his understanding of China um, and his dedication to help us support uh, U.S. products and agricultural goods and other stuff, services uh, to China in particular, is going to be a huge asset for the United States. Um, he chose Governor Branstead because he was impressed with what he had done uh, as ambassador, as, as governor uh, in Iowa, and the respect that he has for the people of Iowa, I think is going to serve uh, this country well. So, Kevin. Sorry, Thanks, Sean, uh, I want to circle back on the Georgia 6th. Is it fair to say the President will be watching with great interest? Uh, the race that happens tonight. And what's his message? I know he had a couple tweets. What's his message to the people of the Beach State as they consider uh, the direction for that particular district? And if I could follow up. Um, okay, so just to so be clear, I'm not going to comment on political races. That being said, uh, as I've noted before, it's no surprise that the President is going to support uh, Republicans uh, up and down the ticket, especially to uh, maintain our majorities in the House and the Senate as we move forward. Uh, So obviously, as you've noted, he has tweeted about that. He believes that there's a clear and stark choice. Uh, But I'll leave it at that. Let me ask you about uh, the communications shop here. I know that you're probably wearing more than one hat at the moment, and yet there's been a great deal of uh, unrest,
4: uh, certainly in this room and perhaps in other spaces, about a lack of
3: press (laughs) briefings, a lack of communication with you directly outside of, say, the office.
1: I just wanted to know if you would sort of unpack the idea behind Fewer on-camera briefings uh, just to sort of help make sense of what's going on?
3: Um, sure. I mean, I, what I I'll tell you is I've said it, look, I, I've, multiple times prior to actually taking the job in December and January, uh, explained that, you know, we're going to do what we can to communicate uh, our message. We will, uh, we have a tremendous respect for the First Amendment, your ability to do your job um, and, and report uh, and seek out ideas. Uh, and then we're going to work with you. I think the briefing is one aspect of what we do. Um, We're here really early in the morning and really late at night, available to all of your questions, whether it's email or in person. Uh, This is one avenue to do that. Uh, We've, as you've noted, opened up um, Skype questions to bring more people into the briefing room. Uh, But we have uh, done. You know, multiple more opportunities for people to interact with the President, according to several folks that have been here for several administrations. Uh, we've looked at a lot of data that suggests that uh, when you look at the number of availabilities and, and interviews that the president's given, uh, it's pretty significant compared to past administrations. Uh, so I think that we, while you guys will always advocate for greater transparency and more access, uh, I think that we have done a very good job of not just providing opportunities here at a daily briefing, um, but also making ourselves available as a staff you know, almost 20, 24 hours a day when it comes down to it. And I think uh, you look at the steps that we've taken to, to give access uh, to reporters, uh, and I do think it's pretty significant. I understand you'll always have issues. You'll always want more, um, and that's fair. I mean, that's your right. Uh, that's what a lot of the press is, is there to advocate for. You have an association that does that as well, um, and I think that you'll continue to fight for it, We'll continue to do our job and hopefully, uh, but I, I, I do believe that if you look at it holistically, you'll see that we have a staff that's uh, very accommodating, uh, very tries to get to res- in responsive to your questions.
2: Sean.
3: Sean. Yeah. Thank, you, thank you, Sean. Um, two questions. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the Quota Premier was in town to talk NAFTA and he met, among, among others, uh, Secretary Ross and the Governor of Kentucky, Matt Bed. A- and the Kentucky. Governor Kentucky. I'll, I'll let you say it. Well, no. I, was just <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said and, Connecticut. And,
1: no. And and the, the, the Governor said that uh, he needs good quality aluminum. He, his home builders need good quality softwood
2: lumber. Is the President receptive to z- this type of arguments in the negotiation with NAFTA?
3: You mean with respect to Canada? Yes. Um, look, I think that Wilbur Ross and the Department of uh, Commerce have made it very clear with their with the softwood lumber case that they want to get a better deal for for our country. Uh, I understand the Governor's point. Um, And we're going to continue to work through the proper channels in dispute resolution settlement to get that to to achieve our our goals and make sure that uh, the concerns that we have are settled correctly uh, through the mechanism that exists. Uh, Speaking Uh, of Kentucky, I'm going to to go, hold on. Yeah.
1: Today is World Refugee Day. Does the President
4: feel that refugees are a threat to American security?
3: I think the first and foremost thing that the President is concerned about, obviously, um, you take an area like Syria, for example. He's been very uh, focused on trying to get countries to agree and to work together on creating safe zones, Uh, because refugees, for the most part, in a lot of areas, would rather be in their country, where they're from, safely, uh, have a place to raise their family and not be resettled. That's our number one goal for them uh, in those cases. But number two is, I think the president's also been very clear, his number one goal as Commander-in-Chief is to protect Uh, our country, our homeland, and our people, and that he needs to make sure that people coming into this country um, are doing so through peaceful means. And so his number one priority, as the number one priority of any leader is, is to protect their people first and foremost. Uh, But then, obviously, as we look throughout the globe and find areas and regions that need support, uh, we've tried to work uh, through diplomatic and economic channels to create solutions. Uh, Speaking of Kentucky, I'm going to go to Will Clark, who's at WAHS.
1: Sean, Thank thanks you. for taking my question. My question is about the administration's position on coal. The administration had, uh, during the campaign, said they wanted to bring back coal jobs to eastern Kentucky. And uh, now there's a lot of those coal miners in that part of the state who are saying that they want tech jobs. Uh, they're going back to college to get the, the skills for those jobs. Does the administration still support the, the return of coal to those portions of eastern Kentucky and into West Virginia? And what is the president's relationship with Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin? I know he was at the White House last week and uh, was also at the nominating convention in Cleveland among other places.
3: Yeah, he's been here a few times. I think that they have a fantastic relationship. Governor Bevin has been a great advocate. Uh, he's done a lot in Kentucky to grow jobs uh, and really fight for innovation down there, and I know that uh, his ideas and his input have been very well received here at the White House. Uh, and we want to continue to work with them. I think, with respect to your question, Will, uh, it's not really a binary choice. I think the President wants to continue to, and has supported several measures uh, to really restore the coal industry and to bring it back. Uh, and then, you know, to touch on the theme of this week, uh, we want to do what we can to really focus on technology, uh, helping our government bring back jobs, create new uh, opportunities for our country, for jobs. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and we talked about uh, workforce development, or only a week ago, I guess. Uh, but part of it is to make sure that people have the training and the skills that they need, uh, whether that's going to a vocational school or another training opportunity that gives them the skills uh, in an area like high tech and technology uh, to pursue a, uh, a new change in life or a new career. or just you know, at a, at a high school, but we need to make sure that we have the training and the support, the loan system, et cetera, uh, that will support people who want to go into a lot of these fields. So I don't think it's a choice of one, one industry over another. Uh, obviously, the President has and will continue to do a lot to support uh, coal, especially the clean coal industry, uh, and at the same time, uh, make sure that we have opportunities uh, to give the workforce of the next century uh, the, or the, uh, the Americans, the Americans, the skill set to compete, um, and that's that's something that uh, Secretary Acosta spoke from this podium on extensively uh, last week. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you, Sean. Yeah.
1: Uh, has the president seen the draft of the Senate healthcare bill?
3: Uh, I don't know that. That's uh, I know that there was some chatter today. Uh, I know the president has been on the phone extensively with the leader uh, and with key senators. So I don't know if he's seen the legislation or not. But I know that they've been working extremely hard. Uh, and the president has been giving his input and his ideas, feedback to them, uh, and he's uh, very uh, excited about where this thing is headed. You know John, the staff? John, do you it, I don't. I know that they are up there working hand in glove with them. So, um, to the extent that it's, I don't even know, you know, I, uh, where 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 we are in terms of a final plan. Um, I know that the staff has been working very closely with the leader staff, with Senate Finance, and others. Uh, so. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of an announcement on Senator McConnell saying when that when that final product is done, uh, so I will refer you back to him. Uh, Jennifer, um, I
4: think it's a, kind of two questions. Okay. Of course. Um, so the first one is just in the last few minutes, Gary Cohn uh, spoke at a meeting and and kind of laid out a September timeline uh, for a bill on tax reform to actually get to the floor of Congress. Is that realistic? As timelines go, we've heard a lot of different things. that keep getting pushed back. You know, we still haven't seen. We haven't gotten to a final vote on health care, let alone you know all the other things that have been talked about. Um, is that? Do you think that that's actually going to be a realistic timeline?
3: I, I think we've we're working really hard. I think you saw uh, the speaker and the vice president, as I mentioned at the top, both talk about this. Uh, there's a strong commitment to doing it, and I think uh, it's, it's frankly bicameral and bipartisan. I saw Senator Warner. From Virginia earlier today talking about uh, his concerns with the corporate tax rate and the need for it to come down to the 20s. That's great. We would love his support on a package like this. Um, so I think that there is going to be uh, very bipartisan, bicameral support for tax reform. And as we move forward on this, um, the degree to which we can get some of those individuals to join on uh, and craft a bill uh, will determine the schedule. But I think that's that's mostly a, a congressional timetable that we have to move with.
4: And there, will there um, be outreach to Democrats in
1: that timetable? Uh, I
3: think they've already met with some Democrats, and they'll continue to. But I don't. Uh, that has been part of the plan. It's already been part of the plan, and they'll continue to reach out to members of Congress that that share these goals. And
4: the other question is just on Ford. Uh, today announced that they're going to be you know, build, building this new factory in China. Right. Um, the, the the president won kind of was very, like, kind of declared victory when this plant was not going to be built in Mexico. So, one, does he, is there an administration reaction to the decision to go there? And then, two, uh, there's been some signs that the administration wanted to get tougher on China on autos. Um, you know, are, are we going to see that going wrong?
3: Well, with respect to your first question, um, Secretary Ross has put out a statement um, with respect to Ford's decision. And I think uh-huh. the general consensus is that the President wants to create uh, a tax system that companies want to come back and bring back jobs in manufacturing here in the United States. Um, and once we can pass that plan that you just asked about uh, that really gets our companies more competitive, doesn't leave them with the highest uh, tax rate, and also deals with uh, a lot of other aspects about our tax business tax code that puts them at a disadvantage to their foreign competitors, uh, then I think you're going to see more and more companies not just go to other countries, but come back to the United States, grow in the United States, manufacture more in the United States. And that's where I think overall we continue to see the need to have tax reform to achieve those results. Sarah Thanks, John.
4: the President today said that if auto warm beer had been brought home sooner, the results would have been a lot different. Does the President believe that the Obama administration is partly responsible for what happened to auto warm beer?
3: I the President was pleased that he was able to Work with the State Department and get Otto home as soon as he could. Uh, but I think when you uh, when you realize what happened, uh, the president, no, you know, believes uh, that had it happened sooner or quicker, uh, potentially there might have been additional medical resources that could have been provided. Uh, he's just obviously saddened by this entire situation, and um, and just would have hoped that it could have been resolved earlier. Go ahead. Go yeah John,
4: uh, yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, I just want to ask uh, the House Freedom Caucus and at least three GOP senators have uh, suggested that the August recess should either be scrapped or uh, just uh, greatly shortened until more business can be done. We're uh, sure getting get an Obamacare repeal bill through, uh, at least make the first step on tax reform. Is that something could the president support either scrapping or shortening the uh, what, August recess or
3: I think that, that's going to be up to to the House and the Senate to determine their recesses. They don't generally we don't get involved in their schedule, and, oh, okay, so okay, I'll, I'll let I'll let Speaker Ryan and Leader McConnell decide what's appropriate uh, in terms of their. Is the president satisfied with the case that the is moving forward? If if the if we continue to move forward with health care uh, the way that we're that way that we we've been told we're going to and that I think we're great. We've got our priorities. We want to get health care done. We want to get tax tax uh, reform done. And obviously, the President has spoken very extensively about infrastructure. If we can get those done, I think we feel very really good. Hallie. Can you
4: get those I'm sorry. How can you get
3: those done by August? We'll go as quick as Congress wants. Uh, you know, that's it's a little out of our hands. But as soon as Congress can do it, we'll do what we can. You saw when the President, when the, the House had its bill up, the President uh, worked fier- uh, feverishly to make sure that he did everything he could to get it over the finish line. I think we'll do the same for all those other scenarios as well. Alex.
1: John, I have one on North
4: Korea, but I'd like to follow up on health care there. Yep. Uh, you were around when Republicans were criticizing <coughs> Democrats back in the day of Obamacare for it being, as you put it fairly recently, jammed down people's throats. You said it was rushed, it was secretive, that was the criticism. So how is what's happening now with this bill getting crafted, frankly, behind closed doors, any different from what Republicans criticized Democrats for doing?
3: I think we wanted to be part of the process back then. If you look at we're what you, you look at what Senator Schumer said both in February to a MoveOn.org or, or call, uh, where he said that you know we're, no one's going to be no Democrats going to go near this, and what he said in a letter in uh, May 9th, that he said that no Democrats would be part of an effort uh, that would repeal Obamacare. So they have chosen to take themselves not to not make themselves part of this process. Uh, there is when Senator McConnell brings the bill forward, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of time uh, to have debate. It's the Senate. There's always plenty of time to debate. He's talking about Uh, voting next week. Well, okay, but again, I'm not going to get ahead of, I'll let Senator McConnell determine the Senate schedule and run the Senate that he he sees fit. But let's not mistake ourselves with how they approach this thing. Their leader, Senator Schumer, made it very clear on at least two separate occasions that they didn't want to be part of this process. They didn't want to repeal and replace Obamacare. They were happy with Obamacare. We believe Obamacare is failing. We want a better system for the American people, a patient-centric healthcare system. Uh, that brings down costs and gives more accessibility to people. That's it. They chose not to, uh, made it very clear that they didn't want to engage in this process. So, you know, to turn around now and to second guess, uh, that, 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 that's something they should take up with their own leader.
2: on North Korea, um, does the
4: President support a travel ban to those heading to North Korea? And given Senator McCain's comments that he believes Otto Warmbier was murdered, is this administration's position that North Korea killed that young man?
3: On the first one, I think the State Department is mulling uh, additional um, advisories, and I'll, I'll leave it to them. That's that's how they our travel is um, restrictions and such is run through the State Department. So I would refer you to them. And again, I don't want to uh, before uh, anything further goes on with with respect to him. I, I'm not going to comment on whether or not um, his his situation, how it was handled, until we have further information on that. Try. Thanks,
2: Sean. Two questions for you from the perspective of the administration. How transparent have lawmakers been on Capitol Hill when drafting this health care bill?
3: How what?
1: Was How transparent have they been?
3: Well, I mean, I think that we've had a very robust discussion with lawmakers, uh, first in the House and now in the Senate, um, who have ideas and input. But ultimately, each of those bills uh, is the product of their own chamber. I mean, the House, we obviously uh, had plenty of sessions with, with members uh, of the House as they move forward. We've done a lot in the Senate. Um, but each of those Senate, each of those chambers runs their own um, chamber, respectively, by the by the leadership they have. It's not our job to go in and dictate how they do it. Uh, we have been tried to be as helpful as we can throughout this process um, by highlighting the need uh, for repl- repeal and replacing a failed system, and we'll continue to do that. But it's not for me to get up and talk about how their uh, their process works through each of their respective chambers.
2: Can I follow up on Steve's question on Russian sanctions. Uh, just very plainly, uh, a yes-or-no answer, does President Trump believe that the Russian government interfered in the 2016 elections?
3: I, I think I have not sat down and talked to him about that specific thing. Obviously, we've been dealing with a lot of other issues today. I'd be glad to touch base. And
2: generally speaking, I mean this conversation about Russian interference in our elections, there's 16 uh, intelligence agencies that say that they did. Uh, the former FBI director said that, without a doubt, the Russians interfered. I understand.
3: I've seen the reports.
2: Uh, does the president share uh, those views?
3: I've I not sat down and asked him about a specific reaction to him, so I'd be glad to touch base and get back to you.
1: Yeah.
0: Didn't you say it was fake news, Sean? Didn't the president say that Marco was fake
1: news? Sean, regarding the president's Cuba policy, the yeah. Cuban Foreign Minister uh, just yesterday said that it is a grotesque spectacle. Does the president have any reaction to that?
3: The, the policy that the president laid out for Cuba, first and foremost, is something that will help uh, the Cuban people. Uh, it will stop making uh, encouraging payments to the military uh, and help um, them economically lift themselves up. Uh, that is the greatest form of human rights that we can uh, push for right now to make sure that those efforts that we do and that the American citizens who travel or do business in Cuba follow the law our goal is to make sure that the policies from this government um, first and foremost help the Cuban people and I think that's that's what the president has done uh, and we will continue to advocate for. okay
1: second question if I might about the tapes between the President and James Comey. Were those tapes made? Do they exist? And will the President be releasing them to the House Intelligence Committee by Friday? The President
3: has said that he will make an announcement on this. I expect it this week. Um, And so when he's ready to, to make that announcement, we'll let you know. How's that? Thank you, guys. See you tomorrow in Iowa. Thank you.
1: Live from the White House, Sean Spicer wrapping up a White House press conference. He was asked repeatedly about the death of of Otto Warmbier at the hands of North Korea. Spicer highlighted President Trump's pointed words on the matter earlier today, but he stayed away from committing to what the U.S. would expect from North Korea and allies. Spicer said the president's looking forward to a health care bill from the Senate that has heart. He also said he's not sat down with the president and asked whether he thinks Russia interfered in the election. And lastly, Spicer did not deny reports. That his own role at the White House may be shifting, saying he's here for now, but the White House is always looking for ways to improve how it delivers its message. I'm Brad Milke. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. ABC's Karen Travers is at the White House briefing room, and Karen. Sean Spicer laid out a number of goals, tax reform, and a health care bill that has yet to be unveiled by the Senate. He says the president hasn't maybe hasn't even seen a draft of it yet.
2: And this was a follow up to a question yesterday in an off camera briefing that Sean Spicer had, Brad, where uh, he was asked, has the president looked at this draft such as it is? What pieces this health care legislation might be in? And he didn't know. He kind of seemed struck by that question yesterday. So, of course, the follow up again today, 24 hours later, has the president seen any draft of this legislation? That the Senate is saying they'd like to pass vote on do something with by the end of next week, still no answer as to the whether the President uh has been in the loop on that. A couple other interesting things from this briefing, Brad, uh, you of course have Sean Spicer uh, getting a lot of questions about his own job status as we talked about at the top of the briefing and he certainly did not deny that they are going outside talking to people about coming in and joining the communications staff uh, and he also seemed to downplay the uh, uproar that the media here have been re- engaging in about the briefing and the scaling back of the briefings. He says it's just one aspect of what they do here. They're able to answer questions 24 hours a day, and they believe they've given great access to reporters from the president down to junior press aides. But I should note, the president has had a press conference, Brad, since February. He didn't take a single question on his foreign trip in May and uh, instead seems to rely mostly on Twitter to make his statements.
1: So not many answers there. We will get answers later tonight from Georgia. Karen Sean Spicer says the president supports the Republican there. Karen Handel in the 6th District. But around the halls of the White House, do you get a sense of whether this is a big night?
2: They're trying to not make this a referendum on President Trump. Notably, Sean Spicer for the last couple of days has said that they don't necessarily see it that way. In fact, he said today, you know, this is a race that was close uh, before and it's a district that is tight. So trying not to make this about Donald Trump. But President Trump is all in on this race. He's tweeted more than a half dozen times in the last 24 hours, urging people in the suburbs of Atlanta to get out and vote for Karen Handel. He's been blasting the Democratic candidate down there saying he wants to raise taxes and he's weak on crime and security. It is interesting, though, Brad, that those two candidates down there, they don't want to talk about Donald Trump either. They want to make this a local race. If it's a very slim margin, no matter who wins, there might not be something you can take from this, a bigger message about uh, where things might go for the midterms. But if one of those candidates wins by, say, five points or so, there's going to be a lot of headlines tomorrow about what that means for the White House and the agenda.
1: Georgians debating whether to flip that Congress seat as Americans debate secrecy around that health care bill, also the transparency of the White House. This was Sean Spicer's first broadcast press briefing in a week. Rumor has it that his days at that podium could be numbered. For Karen Travers at the White House, I'm Brad Milkey. You've been listening to live coverage from ABC News. ABC News, honored. Winner for the third straight year with the Edward R. Murrow Award for overall excellence in television and radio. ABC News, America's number one news choice.